0: The decision point with Anand and Duri. Anand, it's it's time. It's time to get back together and get a, get a status update on the NFL. Which NFL teams are exceeding expectations? Which NFL teams are uh, missing expectations or just outright face planning through five weeks? There is a few a few teams that we talked about that are not excelling the way we thought. There are a few teams that we thought would Uh, be in the running for Kayla Williams and they're definitely not they're way better than we thought so let's let's first talk about the teams that need to start focusing on the 2024 draft I know it's sad right I know there's some fan bases out there that are not happy with what they've seen through five weeks but the beauty is now you can start cheering for your team to lose my daughter and I had this conversation this week is why we're having this show this show, this episode in particular, was conceived when I was talking to my daughter saying, Hey, what do you what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do about the Patriots? Like, well, how do you feel? Like, what do you what do you what do you want out of this team? How are you how are you approaching every week now as a fan? And because she's spent her whole life around the Podfather, she came right back with, Well, I just hope they lose every game so we can get the best draft pick possible. And I was like, BAM! That's my daughter! That's right! That's exactly right! She's already figured it out! She's figured it out, man. That's what being a sports fan's all about. It's about figuring out, uh, you know when to hold them in terms of know when to hold out hope and know when to fold them, baby. So the Patriots fan, the 12-year-old Patriots fans are already folding. That's where we're at. And I know there's a bunch of other teams where they, they need to come to that realization as well. Yeah, I mean, we've
1: got quite a few. Uh, everybody watched Denver last night. That's, that's an operation, you know, Nathaniel Hackett tried to save it. Sean Payton's tried to save it. It's time guys. There, there's, (laughs) there's so much wrong with that team. Uh, You can talk about the giants. You can talk about Carolina, the, the jets, obviously, you know, there are plenty of teams that, you know, we had hopes for at least salvageable hopes. You can be a middle of the road team and they're just not getting it done. So, I mean, I think, I think of all of them, New England's probably the most interesting to talk about because you have a Hall of Fame coach uh, and, and, you know, you have an organization that you've seen with a lot of the same pieces win before and the reboot is absolutely not working.
0: Denver has the second worst win percentage in the NFL behind only Carolina, who has not won a game. And the only reason that Denver has that win percentage is because they had the extra game, the extra loss. Right? They're 1-5, in five, where the other teams with a similar losing percentage, if you want to say it that way, are 1-4. in four. So the, the worst teams in the league right now by point differential are, well, Carolina, first and foremost, right? So Carolina, their, their point differential is, well, not the worst, actually. The worst team by point differential, do you know who it is? It is the Giants, by, by a lot. Right, but I was gonna say it's got to be Carolina. It's not right. So the Giants have a minus ninety-one point differential, and who are they starting this week? I believe they're starting Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Okay, so that's that, all those fans, all those Giants fans. They're in tank mode. They already know. They've been. In, they, they ideally after week one, right? Giants fans are like, all right, ta- we're we're tanking. Okay, we're good. Please tank. So Carolina minus fifty-three with their point differential. Washington. Even though they're two and three, actually have a a a pathetic point differential, minus fifty-one. Denver, as we talked about, is minus seventy-one. Okay. But yeah, the 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 team that, that I want to talk about right now, the Patriots, minus 76. Yeah. Minus seven. So it's it's really that by point differential, they are technically the second worst team in the NFL and the worst team in the AFC. We talked about this. We talked about this. We, talked, we said, who do you trust to make plays on offense or defense? That was the question this offseason. Who do they have? Right? And they're like, well, they have Belichick. Whenever when you ask who this, who's the best player on the team and the analysis comes back, the coach, and the coach happens to be the oldest coach in the league, then, then all I can say is, well, you're fucked you're 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 all the, they're all the way fucked but the nice thing is they're on track to have one of the top five draft picks
1: the concern is it's not but you're never going to replace brady and belichick but what they're really struggling to replace is dante skarnecki because they're a linemen that they've drafted that he turned over and over and over again late round pick late round pick late round pick and the star free agents that they didn't resign because they had drafted and developed another one those guys aren't coming down the road anymore. And it's it's obvious that that as a strength of their team, when you look at, you know, the rushing production that they've gotten out of Ramondre Stevenson in the past past and Damian Harris in the past, the stuff that's just not there. It, it's it's not just a one-sided problem. It's not just, you know, w- well, we'll fire Matt Patricia and everything will be solved. The the issues that New England has are layers deep. And, you know, for a long time. Belichick was able to coach them around that. They were able to develop offensive linemen around that, but now you're looking at basically what a full teardown rebuild looks like. And the really sad part is, do you, do we have any idea how good Mac Jones is? No, no. And the thing is the really sad part about what we've seen out of Mac Jones so far is there was promise rookie season. There was hope. There was a lot of stuff to like, and He's, once again, like we saw, we've we've seen it with other quarterbacks before. If you take away the pieces around them that made them successful to begin with, namely O-linemen that he could trust, there's no trust in the offense anymore. He's out there playing. like He looks exactly like what a talented player that does not have anything around him looks like. They're lost. They're disparate. Christian Gonzalez is now on IR, which sucks because he was a really fun player. We loved him. I mean... What is there to get excited about besides potentially having a top seven, eight draft pick?
0: Nothing, nothing. I asked my daughter this: Who are you excited about? Who Who's the big playmaker? Right? Who, who Who are the exciting electric wide receivers that you can't you can't wait for Mac Jones to deliver the ball to? Right? And you're right. I think that there's a talent deficit across this team, unit by unit. They're below average. This is what we talked about this summer. Unit by unit, you go to the Patriots, unit by unit, you're challenged to find a superstar anywhere and an above-average unit anywhere on the roster, across the squad. And they're missing the Joe Thuneys, right? Joe Thuney, 2016, drafted, round three, pick 78. That's what you're talking about, right? You're talking about players like Joe Thuney, who are now 30 years old, playing for the Chiefs, playing for a championship, came through the Patriots system where they would find the guard in the third round and turn that guy into a pro bowler and he would eventually either win a Super Bowl with Brady or win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. There's not enough Joe Thuny's coming down the pipeline. And we'll talk about how the Patriots can rebuild after this.
1: rebuilding a team requires stacking several drafts on top of each other cuz not all of your draft picks are going to hit and it's why we advocate all the time tr- for trading back because if you if you establish yourself as having a decently high hit percentage on draft picks the only thing that you need is more of them so long term if you're New England yeah of course if you have you know the draft capital to, to secure a Caleb Williams or a Drake May which gosh who knows you know where those two end up that's going to be a big part of this puzzle but if you don't get one of those two do you trade back do you look at a joe alt at notre dame at tackle and say okay well since we can't draft and develop them like we used to we're just going to take you know one of the pro ready ones in fashanu or Alt out of notre dame and penn state respectively Um, do we need to overpay for superstar receiver because that's historically been something that we struggle with drafting do we go get a marvin harrison jr can Brock Bowers be what he is at the next level, like he looks at Georgia right now? Do we need an Emeka Buca if we draft if we you know fall further down in round one? Roma Dunze. There are all kinds of really talented players in round one this year that solve issues that historically New England has had drafting that it almost makes sense for them, if they're not in that top two pick discussion, to just immediately trade back for somebody that is ready, you know, in the teens to give up multiple things and start drafting some of the positions that they desperately need to even see what they have in Mac Jones. Because right now, you're you're looking at a quarterback that looks completely lost, and I don't think that you can sit there and say it's entirely on him.
0: No. No, they they did, though. They did get a superstar in Christian Gonzalez. I think Christian Gonzalez has what it takes to become a superstar in the league. Incredible pick. But it's, it's the next coaching staff that's going to be able to enjoy Christian Gonzalez. It, they, there was a time when New England not only were they drafting the Joe Thunes in the third round. Before that, they were signing Randy Moss. They, they, were, they were, they knew that they needed to acquire superstars to get to the next level. It wasn't you couldn't just do it with Brady, even though Brady did do it with like Dion Branch and Troy Brown at one point. They're like, no, we'll, 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 we'll go a step further, right? And also. Remember the clever trades they would do, he'd trade a 7th rounder for Wes Welker. They're not doing that anymore. Like they're not their front office is not as active. You know, making these big splashy trades, but also making these smaller moves, these super tactical value trades. You know, they would shift 6th and 7th rounders all the time. Like they were the most active team in the offseason. Trading these picks during the draft, trading picks, right, moving up and down, but always netting extra late round picks, then using those late round picks later to acquire a Wes Welker. This is what they did, and it's not a surprise that you look up and their coach, who is also doubles as their general manager, their de facto general manager, he's in his 70s. You can't expect him to have that kind of energy level and to churn through all of the possible iterations of ways that they can upgrade the roster throughout the offseason he's just not that guy anymore he does it. he's 70 years old there's it's not possible for a 70 year old to grind at the level that would be required for this team to get their roster upgraded to a, the point that it was in 2009 and the thing is Belichick, the coach and brady the quarterback saved
1: themselves a lot from Belichick the GM and the problem is now it's on Belichick the GM to save Belichick the coach and his young quarterback in Mac Jones and that operation is just not working it's it was it became clear that Belichick the coach and Brady the quarterback could save Bill the GM I don't think that's true anymore the, the Bill the GM can't save this team because right now they look like a shell of the dynasty that they were and Look, it's not. this is how quickly things change. That dynasty ended three years ago. It's not like that happened in the 90s. We're three years removed from New England really competing for Super
0: Bowls. It's football, man. It's football. A player that was good three years ago, there's no guarantee he's going to be good in three years. This is what happens, right? These teams have a shelf life of a couple years, and then it's over, man. It's over. It might be you go from winning a championship, Los Angeles Rams, and... You're you're better off tearing it down. I don't think that the Rams are going to tear it down or even should tear it down because they just got Cooper Cup back. We need, to eval- we need to continue to evaluate that team. They've played better, right? Their defense has been better. Their offensive line certainly has been a lot better than expected this year. So I want to see what the Rams are with Cooper Cup before I say, hey, this is a team that really should be looking to tank. We know Denver needs to be, needs to be tanking. So these older coaches with Super Bowls on their resume are not long for the NFL. That's Belichick, right? Do you think he lasts the season? I think he'll get through the season, and I think that you know
1: basically they'll take total eval of what assets they have and kind of what they're going to do looking
0: forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's not there in twenty twenty four. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it to the end of the season. There's no guarantees. There's just no. There's just hey. There's no guarantees now. Denver, I think. Because they traded a first-round pick for Sean Payton, that's the guarantee that Sean Payton is not going to be Nathaniel hackett id Hatcheted? So, he, he stays. Now, what about what about New York? So, New York, there's been all these injuries. Saquon Barkley, the offensive line, Andrew Thomas. like it's So many key players getting injured. Even Darren Waller's been playing through a groin injury. So... That coach came in with a lot of hype. He fixed Daniel Jones. Don't Remember, he fixed Daniel Jones. Right? He coached, right? <laughs> right? It was, uh, you, you coach Josh Allen, and Josh Allen evolves into a completely different quarterback than he was at Wyoming or even in his first year in the league, and you get the credit. And now, by point differential, you're the worst team in the league. Does that narrative... That he's the great quarterback fixer does that save the Giants front office the Giants coaching staff? I think so, but there is
1: a you know one to one here that looks like it's becoming a lot clearer, and it's Matt Nagy leaving Kansas City. You know, to transform Mahomes was not this in college, so he got a lot of the credit there. Went to the Bears, had Mitchell Trubisky looking good with a lot of the same smoke and mirrors that fell apart cataclysmically, not even because of the quarterback contract, just because Mitch wasn't that guy. And you're worried now, if you're a Giants fan, is this the rinse repeat? I think Dayball's a better coach than Matt Nagy is. And I do have, you know, faith that him and Kafka can do some things there. We have no idea
0: if Brian Dayball is the reason for anything that Josh Allen delivered or that the bills delivered in the years he was there. That's definitely fair. And the fantasy analysts and sports broadcasters are leading every every bit of a player analysis with you know with the help of Brian Dayball and or the Brian Dayball offense, and it's like sure for now that it, those labels work when a team is is performing. And as soon as the team is bottom of the league in point differential, it ceases becoming the Brian Dayball offense. I'm not hearing that much anymore. I'm not hearing as much the Brian Dayball offense. I'm hearing a lot about the problems with the players. And this has been one of my perpetual frustrations with sports in general, is that when... The team is outperforming expectations. The coach gets all the credit. You know, he is the the coach of the year in many cases. That's what drives coach of the year. It's not the, the winningest coach. It's the coach that exceeded expectations the most. And then they they affix this prefix to every player's performance that it's in the context of the Brian Dayball system or the Brian Dayball this Brian Dayball that. And I know that everyone's like, well, that's true except if it's a Shanahan or someone that came from a Shanahan system. So yes. I I Brian Dayball. That's true. Like we were tricked by Brian Dayball, just like we we're tricked by Matt Nagy, and anyway, we can go all the way back to all the people we've been tricked by. There, there's a guy named Trestman, right? Right. That was my favorite. My favorite was that my original rant on this was how fantasy gamers they actually they st- the, the, the 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 experts in quotes steamed up Justin Forsett, who is 195 pounds. They steamed up Justin Forsett. This was my this was the first time I knew this was my window through the looking glass, right? This was my stepping through the looking glass moment. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Okay, you're gonna draft this this running back in the third round, and and there's nothing on his profile. I have playerprofile.com, right? He's not an exceptional athlete. Yeah, he's a nice receiver. He's a satellite back. You you what? You are going to draft him in the 3rd round? Are you are you mad? Are you insane? 3rd, 4th round for Justin Forsett and the first it's the the first bullet point in the argument is always Trestman. Don't forget about Trestman. Right? And I'm like, "Trestman." Right? And they're like, "Well, well, Trestman fixed, you know, a, a, a somebody. I don't remember. I think he might have fixed Trestman might have fixed Jay Cutler." So I don't remember. Right? I I I no. Adam Gase that was Adam Gase. Remember the Adam Gase offense. I don't know if, if <laughs> Adam Gase, Adam Gase was gonna was gonna fix the Dolphins, right? Because he no Adam because Adam Gase was uh, the coach tied to Peyton Manning, right? And so if you play if you helped Peyton Manning in some way, if you held a clipboard, if you were the one running the projector for Peyton Manning in the meetings, then that means that you clearly all that wisdom from Peyton Manning where Peyton Manning's just one of the more underrated athletes of all time. Peyton Manning was an exceptional athlete, right? Yes, he was good at processing information, right? Yes, he was a hard worker. The work ethic was there, but he was also a great athlete. When you compare Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, there's no comparison. Tom Brady was not an exceptional football quarterback athletic prototype coming out of college, coming out of high school. Like You can hear him talk all about it. He'll go on for 30 minutes about... How at every step of the way, even though he would win, they would the, the very next season they would send him right back to the backup role. Oh nope, nope, sorry, we got this Henson kid now. So nope, no, you are back, you are back, you are. Pla- I know, I know, you thought you should have beat out Greasy. Nope, now it's Henson. Every year be a new guy, right? Because he was not that level of athlete. Peyton Manning was. Oh, hell yeah, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was a golden boy recruit and was definitely going to be the starting quarterback like on day one, and then he also just happened to have the work ethic to go along with it, so then there was no question. No one was ever going to beat him out. At no point was Peyton Manning ever beat out for the starting job, ever, right? But, but there were coaches along the way that got head coaching jobs just because they were operating in the wake of Peyton Manning. And this is this, so this goes this goes way back. Way, way back. Uh, I don't even remember. Do you remember Trestman's first name? Mark Trestman. That's right. It was Mark. I did not remember his first name. It was he was so forgettable as a coach. Mark Trestman, I believe he fixed Jay Cutler. Well, let us know in the chat. Let us know in the comments. Is that correct? I don't remember exactly. But there's a long history of this. And so when I remind everyone that Mike McDaniel is operating in a world where he has the best receivers, maybe the best receiving duo the league has seen in at least five years, right? Because Jalen Waddell would be Tyreek Hill on another team, right? He was, from an. just look at the efficiency metrics, look at the air yards, the air yard share, the yards per reception, right? The yards per route run, what he was able to deliver, but right? yards per target, like you look at yards per target, Jalen Waddle was top of the league last year, right? That's what Tyreek Hill was in Kansas City. And so you have two of those guys, and you're surprised that this is one of the top offenses in the league? Nonsense, right? So no, it's, it's it, you can't lead off with, oh, this is the Mike McDaniel offense, just like you can't do it with Brian Dayball. And every year I say, you can't do it, and then people do it. And then a year later, they're like, oh yeah, that's why you really shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, because now we look really bad. But nobody could have ever imagined that Brian Dayball could face plant from being, you know, the the reason why he's the reason why the Giants are so good. And as long as they have Dayball and Dayball we trust, oh, it it it, it the, the rug gets pulled very quickly. Mike McDaniel, the same narrative is going to be eviscerated in the years ahead. Just just wait for it. Everyone, just wait for it. It it it's inevitable. It is the it is the football inevitability that Golden Boy Coach X will be exposed. It's just a matter of time. With Dayball, it was it was six months. So I am celebrating if there's oh yo, yeah, victory lapping. If there's one th- if there is one thing I am victory lapping and celebrating full throatedly this season, it is the failure and the face planning of Brian Dayball. I mean. We'll, we'll go into a lot of things. So the giants obviously miss Saquon
1: desperately. They need him for that offense to do just about anything, which is a problem in and of itself going to McDaniel, the fat, the seven fastest speeds tracked by next gen stats for ball carriers this year, all of them are dolphins, the seven fastest, all are dolphins, Al Davis would have fucking
0: loved this team. A bunch of those must be McDaniel, right? He's that fast. He's he's the reason, right? Isn't it McDaniel? Isn't he the, the reason they're so fast? I think he's probably number eight on that list somewhere. <laughs> he's, in there. he's a big part of it, right?
1: Doesn't he play? Going back to how quickly things change, dynasty wide receiver one three years ago it was Michael Thomas. Definitely not now. And you're you're look you looking at you look at change, right? The question that you dynasty teams often ask are the same questions that NFL teams ask, which is basically, what do we look like three years from now? If we're right about everything, if we're right about some things and wrong about some things, and if we're wrong about everything, what does our team look like three years from now? And the funniest part about it is we, we talked about this two years ago with Atlanta. They didn't know they were rebuilding. And the issue that happens is you you can't reset expectations after the season. You've got to start saying that things now, look, we're not the team that we thought we were. There are wholesale changes coming. We have to try a different approach. It can't just be, oh, we were out-toughed today. That doesn't play anymore because fans are getting smart enough to understand you can change things. We saw it with the Bears last year. Why they didn't do that for the first four weeks of the season, I have no fucking idea. They found something that worked and then pivoted immediately away from it. And so now you're hearing the same things that we said pre-draft about C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young playing out in real time, and when it comes to the victory up, I'll take the L on Carolina. I thought Bryce would be better than he was, than he has been so far. I thought that team would be better than they have been so far. But the biggest the biggest question mark that we had for the season when we did our season previews, one of the biggest questions that we raised was how far can the rookie AFC South quarterbacks take their teams? Because if Anthony Richardson is that guy, the Colts are going to make more noise than people expect.
0: That's right. They already have
1: They're three and two. They're they're top of the top of their division. And and so now you're looking at what they've built out and you're going to start to hear the name. Shout out to PFF legend Bobby Slowick, who is the OC in in Houston. You're going to start to hear his name pop up for all kinds of head coaching gigs because he is doing something that historically teams have not done. And what is that? He's allowing C.J. Stroud to play quarterback at the NFL level. There are no restraints on him. The entire playbook is open. If he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes. But he hasn't so far. And that's the remarkable thing about what players can become if you let them be actual football players. Right now, Bryce Young's biggest problem in Carolina is that, of, that offensive line isn't great. And the and it's compounded by the fact that he's not a tall You know, you know, he's not as tall as CJ. He's not the athlete that Anthony Richardson is. So many things had to go right for him to work out the way that he's working out, but it just hasn't happened. And so when you look at guys that are going to take that, that next head coaching role, everybody wants an offensive coach. Now, every fan base is clamoring. You know, you hear it about Chicago, you hear about Denver, you know, before they got Sean Payton, we need an offensive coach. We need an offensive coach. We need an offensive coach. You're going to hear the name Bobby Slowick. Texans OCs start to be thrown into those discussions. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, is going to start to be thrown in those discussions. And a big part of it is because if you allow quarterbacks to play to their strengths, Jared Goff looks like a different player in in this year than he did even last year. And he was really good last year. He looks better now than he did even outside of the one Super Bowl year with the Rams. Why?
0: It's because of the players around him. Yes, it's the offensive line specifically. Even with Amon Ross-St. Brown not 100% or not playing, Goff is operating efficiently, getting the ball to Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. No one thinks that Josh Reynolds is a difference maker. Right? Josh Reynolds is a cardboard cutout starting wide receiver in the league. Whenever you have an injury, right? there's Josh Reynolds to step up and get you 7-8 to eight targets. Right? That's what he is. And If you have an offensive line that gives you that extra second, that extra second is everything. That extra second for that throw window to open up, for that receiver to get separation, whatever it is, that extra second is everything in the NFL. And Daniel Jones is not getting an extra second he was last year, right? Andrew Thomas is not healthy, right? Evan Neal has not stepped up the way we hoped he would. We thought he might. Like That was the big question. We talked to Dan Fornick, offensive line expert that does the offensive line rankings on playerprofiler.com. Check out the player rankings. We've got cornerback rankings, we've got offensive line rankings uh, in addition to the weekly projections, the, the, the full season rankings and dynasty rankings of course, everything. Check it out playerprofiler.com. The price has been dropped now to $30 for the rest of the season for the player rankings. That was the big the big looming question was Will Evan Neal step up? Will he take a step forward? And then that, that if Andrew Thomas is healthy, this is the offensive line that could improve the most. And as it turns out, they've been the offensive line that has improved the least. This is why you cannot invest in quarterbacks that are offensive line dependent. There's a number of quarterbacks around the league that they can only operate in the an environment where they're getting that extra second and they'll look good and they're, when they're not getting an extra second they look incompetent that's been Daniel Jones's entire career this is not a secret I can't believe everyone is like this is surprising look at Daniel Jones you stri- what have you not been it, it, it you saw Jared Goff when he wasn't getting the time to throw he looked incompetent right now the Giants they signed Daniel Jones to a four-year 160 million dollar contract now that's not the amount that's guaranteed It's only 81 million guaranteed but 81 million guaranteed for Daniel Jones. And the thing about the contract is this year, the cap, hit was only 15 plus million next year. The cap hit on Daniel Jones is 47 million. And then they can get out the next year and have to eat another 22 million in dead cap. So this, that is the, that is the, one of the reasons why the Titans are struggling is because they overpaid Ryan Tannehill. They had, a they, they had put together with Taylor Lewin, they put together a, uh, a, a top five offensive line for a year or two you saw derrick henry running over the nfl and the jaguars specifically more than anyone else right and it was weird you have you have gaping running lanes right for derrick henry running for 200 plus yards and you have efficient ryan Tannehill. you like i wonder what what is the through line here What's the common denominator? Hmm, I wonder, is it Taylor Lewin and company? Yes. Right? So that is one of the most difficult things for a front office to resist, is to recognize that this quarterback is a system quarterback. He is operating at a high level because he's getting that extra second. And if you take that second away, this is going to be $40 million flushed down the toilet
1: having an immobile quarterback in 2023 now they don't necessarily have to be mobile in the way that a daniel jones is mobile or you know in the way that a justin fields is mobile But they have to be able to move around a little bit because you watch what happens to even really good offenses when their quarterback becomes a statue. Look at Cincinnati the first couple weeks of the year when Burrow couldn't move. They look like a completely different team in week five now that his mobility is back and he can continue to save them on plays. Can he do something late in the down? This is... The difference between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, the reason that you're watching San Francisco run over everybody is the down isn't dead after two and a half seconds anymore. He can go get you an extra half second and throw the ball to somebody and do something productive that's not, hey, Kyle's play didn't work. It's dead. We're we're in the water now. Now we're in third and 15. All of those things add up over time. And when you look at it contractually, the the major question that you have to ask yourself is if you're the Giants – can you, in order, because in order to be a championship level roster, you have to get the value out of the players you paid. If new, if the Giants want to be a championship roster, they need to get forty-seven million dollars worth of quarterback play
0: out of Daniel Jones or someone else. This is organizational malfeasance, right? It, paying Daniel Jones that amount of money for that amount of time. Now, I get it. Just like Ryan Tannehill, the organization can get out of it. But the problem is, yes, the Titans could have got out of Ryan Tannehill a year ago, but they had no other options. They tried to draft Malik Willis. It didn't work. They tried to draft Will Levis. It didn't work, right? It, we'll, we'll see what Will Levis, but he's trending toward busting, right? So they have to keep him anyway. It's like, yeah, you got an out in a couple of years. Yeah, but the, the fact that he's there precludes you from upgrading the position as aggressively as you would otherwise. Like. Carolina, they 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 were the most aggressive in trying to upgrade to the point they traded DJ Moore. They threw in DJ Moore. They overpaid in draft picks, then threw in DJ Moore because they were so desperate to upgrade the position. When you're making the playoffs and you have fortunate bounces of the ball to the extent that you end up with a soft schedule and close out the season with the best record, you're the number one seed in the AFC, you're not going to be focused on upgrading the quarterback position, right? And then you saw the exact same thing happen, right? What happened to the Titans is what happened the year prior is what happened to the Minnesota Vikings last year, where they somehow some way were able to win every close game and they they started to think, well, maybe Kirk Cousins is good enough, right? So they they diluted themselves time and time again. So many of these teams dilute themselves into thinking, "Oh, Pocket passer X, system quarterback Y is good enough. And now you look at the Giants, you look at the Vikings, they're on the short list of teams that need to start considering tanking. Minnesota is already there. Minnesota has a negative point differential, and they're 1-4. And, and now there's no Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's on IR. So now your number 1 receiver is a rookie, and then you have a tight end in TJ Hawkinson. There's still plenty of talent in the receiving game right? K.J. Osborne's very capable. Great. We like him, right? But not Justin Jefferson, right? You're not going to... Those big plays that put you in scoring position that Justin Jefferson delivers are not available with the current talent they have now in that wide receiver room. And Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that needs protection and he needs playmakers around him. He needs Jefferson and Thielen. And when you pull those away he's not going to be able to elevate the team on his own that's 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 what 40 plus million dollar quarterbacks look like and that's not Kirk Cousins and so this is why when you go out and you make this move for Kirk Cousins as the Vikings did was it 5 years ago like this is the ticket to quarterback purgatory right when the when the Titans we talked about this when the Titans acquired Ryan Tannehill the worst thing that could happen was that they they at the same time their offensive line coalesces and Ryan Tannehill has his a career year. That actually doomed the franchise for another five years. Just like this the the season that the Giants put together last year potentially doomed this franchise for five years. And now we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see how quickly the Minnesota front office adjusts. There, I I would assume that Kirk is
1: gonna at least attempt to be moved. I don't know if a wave is no trade, but the team that I go back to every time we see something like this is the uh, AFC Championship Jags. When Bortles was on his contract year, and Leonard Fournette was carving up everybody, and they had Boye and Ramsey, and that. Defense was crazy, and we know defensive stickiness year to year doesn't really last. And you know you've got to find something out of your offense, and you know that required a full scale teardown two years later. And then they lucked into Trevor Lawrence because they did everything they could to give him away, and the Jets did everything they could to give him back. So then you have the Urban Meyer fiasco, obviously, and now you hire a coach and Doug Peterson that actually does something, you know. And Trevor Lawrence looks like Trevor Lawrence. If you don't luck into a generational prospect
0: like that, where is your path back? They didn't try to backfill the quarterback position. They lost Bortles and they went with Nick Foles to lock in that number one pick. This is what you have to do. You have to resist, right? And the problem is these franchises, they 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 want to win, right? And, and certainly... There's a lot of competition among the top equity holders, right? And they're impatient. A lot of these are older men that they 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 want to show their friends that they have a winning team, and so the they want to bring in headstrong coach X, right? And then Houston, they had that in Bill O'Brien, and and where to get them, right? Bill O'Brien had a hard ceiling, right? And and then so Tennessee, right? Bring in Vrabel. Bringing in Vrabel is not the solution. Vrabel actually holds you back. Because Vrabel is gonna lobby to get Tannehill because he wants to maintain his job. He doesn't want to be the captain of the tanker, right? He doesn't no one wants to captain the sinking tanker, right? You're, You're definitely not gonna be in the league very long doing that. You're gonna be you have one or two years left at most. You know it. The clock is ticking, right? You're just a placeholder coach. You need to be okay with going years with no quarterback and a placeholder coach, you can't be tempted to try to solve the problem with a system quarterback, solve the problem in quotes with, you know, one, one, of, one of these headstrong coaches, one of these, you know, uh, like a, or, or, you know, one of these coaches with a championship resume, because that's actually, that could potentially cost you a first round pick. Right. And now what? And now what? Now Denver has Sean Payton and Sean Payton is going to be lobbying to to for short-term fixes to to save his reputation.
1: I'm pretty sure the pick that they traded was the one they got for Bradley Chubb too. So you you just traded one of the best functionally one of the best edge rushers in the league for a head coach that now you you also traded three three picks for a quarterback. It's also
0: Oh god.
1: This team would be so good if you could take the 2023 Broncos offense and give them the 2022 Broncos defense because they've allowed 200 points as of last night. They've allowed 200 points in six games. That's over 33 points a game. That is terrible.
0: That is god awful. It's a process, man. It's a process. You got you got to dump Deshaun Watson. You got to dump Bill O'Brien. You know. You, you, so they dumped Bill O'Brien. They dumped Deshaun Watson. That was only a couple years ago right i believe deshaun watson was a texan in early 2022 so we're only a year and a half out from the 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 start of the rebuild in houston right the the real and then it started before that but with firing bill o'brien and then it, it 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 expedited but already we're seeing signs that this team is for real and they're going to be for real for the next 10 years like, this is what you want. You want to build a team that every year you can go out and, and make those moves that Bill Belichick was making throughout the 2000s, right? Where you can just grind on other teams and acquire picks and and make those, those small tactical moves to, to bolster the back of your roster because you know the top of your roster is set. The top of your roster is Laramie Tunsil. The top of your roster is... CJ Stroud, right? And you in particular are being vindicated right now. And and we've talked about this all off-season, but you in particular were very vocal saying, "Hey, Ohio State quarterbacks are not what these narratives, these sports narratives are are portraying them as. CJ Stroud is the the best," right? And this idea that he's not the information processor that Bryce Young is is foolish. Right, he's got four to five inches on Bryce Young. He's much more mobile, and he's Bryce Young's equal, if not a better downfield thrower. There's there's nothing not to like about C.J. Stroud, and you know the the skepticism around Justin Fields is just you know, unwarranted, right? And then now all of a sudden we're looking up, and Justin Fields has two consecutive weeks. He's he's finally found his sea legs. And he looks comfortable and he's becoming a prolific passer. That was always in him. That was always in his range of capabilities. We saw it at Ohio State. It's, it's the thing that we talked about and have been talking about for the last two years is that whatever you were seeing at Ohio State is football. It's not fake football, right? It's, it's not. It, it, that wasn't a video game. That was real football. And Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud are real football players. Just because you have an Alabama helmet doesn't make it real, and an Ohio State helmet makes it fake. That's not a thing. As it turns out, both Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud are great assets for their NFL franchises, and it's the mobility and, and the ability to push the ball down the field to the deeper quadrants that it, it makes them separates them from a quarterback like uh, a Daniel Jones or even a Jared Goff. The the thing that made CJ so special was
1: anticipation. You can't you can try to teach it, but there are a lot of quarterbacks that come into the NFL where it's see see ball throw ball. Basically, they flash open you throw. Go watch what he looks like and the only player that I've ever seen that that's also you know, was in Columbus at any point in time that had anticipation like that. Whereas number nine in Cincinnati. That's the only other one that I've ever seen like that. Justin got away with it because he's got a freakish arm. So, you know, he can be late, you know, <laughs> <Some such. laughs> um, but he could afford to be late in ways that CJ just can't, but CJ's not late. They, you know, and, and they just, again, the receiver recruiting is another thing. Do you think those guys want to play with B plus quarterbacks? Cause that's that's not what they're getting right now.
0: Well, no, no Apparently, apparently, actually, it looks like uh, it, it. As it turns out, and this is not something I had on my bingo card, right? But uh, turns out uh, it may be that uh, C.J. Stroud made Jackson Smith and Jigba, not the other way around. Oof, that's a take. <laughs> well, so far, so far, so far. the the big The biggest thing that we
1: saw in C.J. that was different is, you know. Wins and losses ultimately are going to be attributed to a quarterback, fair or unfair. That's just the way that the casual fan sees the game, and most people are not as invested in such things as we are. But what you watched him do or try to do against Michigan and Georgia three times in his career was basically put an offensive line and a team on his back and try to carry them on his own. And those were the only times where it looked like he might be something other than what he's showing you he is in Houston right now. He was always that player. And we talked about it pre-draft where once someone shows you something, you know it's in there. You know they can do it. Justin Herbert in the Rose Bowl is the best example of it. We didn't see the mobility there because he didn't have to. And then same thing with CJ against Georgia. We didn't see it until he had to, but he showed you he can do it And that's helping them adapt to the NFL in ways that, you know, if you have a statue quarterback, you just can't. That's why CJ is succeeding in situations that Davis Mills couldn't, is he's giving himself an extra quarter second of time. He's anticipating a throw a little bit faster because he's had NFL receivers his entire college career. I mean, we know what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are. We know what what Jackson Smith and Jigba profiles as. He had basically NFL alignment his entire Ohio State career. He's basically playing NFL football just down a level. And that's why so often these guys come in from an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson or you know any of these major programs,
0: Georgia, and they struggle because the talent is not the same. I don't remember anyone doubting Trevor Lawrence because he had great weapons at Clemson.
1: Right? It's a strange narrative, but... It's it is what it is, and you know he's showing right now what an Ohio State quarterback can be, and what a special player he is. Because you're scouting C.J. Stroud, not
0: Ohio State quarterback that wears number seven. I'm I'm just—it's a big win. Last few weeks have been a big win for Ohio State quarterbacks in general, and this idea and, and, and vanquishing the idea that Ohio State's a fake program and that the quarterback play there is fake. It's not. It's real. Real. That's that that, oh, it turns out turns out it turns out that football players making football plays is real, and coaches getting the credit for the football plays, like Brian Dayball, is fake. That's that's a that's a that's fake sports analysis where just hey player X is doing really well, he's good. See, that's real, Annette. That's real. See, that's real. Now you and I need to talk about our predictions for who's going to come out of the AFC, who's going to come out of the NFC. I think we have have enough sample now. We can start to make some predictions, and we will get into it after this. This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, jamar chase over 77.5 oh Kadarius tony under 15.5 whatever the under is on Kadarius tony doesn't matter you can just stack up the props in your portfolio and the beauty is once the sunday games kick off it's not over it's not over until it's over with mojo because once those games kick off you can then move in and out of positions let's say that you're well ahead of expectations you can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is UNDERWORLD, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo. Start building your portfolio. And then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. The Bengals, not dead yet, not dead yet, not dead yet. What do you? What? what's What are the chances? The chances the Bengals can come out of the AFC? I think the biggest question
1: that you have is, you know, how long will it take Joe to get back to 100 percent? Because he's playing at probably like 80, 85 percent right now. So you hope that, you know, by week 8, week 9 he can carry the load the way that he has before. T Higgins obviously going out is a big deal because it now allows people to bracket Chase in a way that they weren't able to
0: before. Really? They're going to let Trenton Irwin beat him? That's that's the problem. That is a problem, by the way. That is that is a that is a problem. <laughs> Charlie Football, don't forget about him. I wish I, I want to see Charlie Football out there. And then, you know, the
1: they're playing in a division where everyone's either three and two or two and three, right
0: now, if the playoffs started tomorrow, well, they've got the they've got the most overrated uh, you know, top of the division team in the sport. the The, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a minus thirty one point differential of a winning record. I love that Pittsburgh like, is is being competitive because I like Kenny Pickett and I like this offense. I think this offense was underrated. Uh, you know, again, over invested in it. In the offseason, it really the only player that's that's truly working out is George Pickens, but Pittsburgh is is not going to make the playoffs. Spoiler alert for everybody, and uh, the two teams with positive point differentials are Baltimore and Cleveland. Cincinnati negative 31. The issue I see with Cincinnati is their schedule is so brutal because they They're, they're, you know, the the division winner last year that they play all these other division winners, that they play the Chiefs, they play the Bills. It's just so tough. It's so tough. But if Pittsburgh and Cleveland can, can just, if everyone in the division can beat each other up enough, they just need to make it through. If the Bengals can find a way to win this division, then they become dangerous in the playoffs, they become a real threat but everyone else buffalo, Kansas City, they they need to be rooting for Cincinnati to not make it in.
1: Yeah, they're but they're probably if you're Buffalo, if you're um if you're KC, the team you want in, the team you want winning the north is Cleveland because as great as that defense is and they have been fantastic, borderline historically great early. You're trusting your quarterback to find the plays to win a game against Cleveland opposed to having, you know, Burrow, Chase, Higgins in Cincinnati that can drop 30 on just about anyone. So, I mean, I'm with you.
0: Well, they, they've played one less game, right? Cleveland's only played four games, but they've allowed fewer points than the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah.
1: It's impressive effort, man. They're, you know, uh, Cleveland sits ninth in DVOA, which is a stat that we obviously care about. Baltimore, seventh, you know, and. Baltimore's right next to KC sitting at six. So
0: it's brutal. It's, it's, It's such a tall order for the Bengals to actually just make the playoffs. But if they do, if they do get healthy at the right time, we've seen this happen where the team comes in as the sixth seed and then they make a run. Can they make it all the way, though? Can they make it past Buffalo? Can they make it past Miami? Can they make it past Kansas City? That is the question
1: the The team that scares that if you're Cincinnati has to scare you the most of those is Miami because it's the only one that they haven't had to deal with yet. I mean they've gone they've gone into KC and one, they've gone into Buffalo and one. They've done that before. That's not. I'm not saying that that's that's extremely likely that they do it again, but they've done it before. They've shown that they can do it. Miami presents a different challenge simply because Tyreek, Jalen, Mostert a chain one of them gets loose suddenly now you're chasing points and you don't want to be chasing points against miami because they can run you to death and i mean you know everybody everybody keeps talking about Tua in this past game and how exciting that portion of the team is but lost in that is most certain a chain are just churning out 80 yard runs every single week and that's the part of it that kills you is when they're supposed to get five and they get 80. And they do that two or three times a game. Now you're chasing points immediately and you're in a really bad spot.
0: Robert Hunt, Robert Hunt, Robert Hunt, Robert Hunt. On this show, we always make sure that we call out the offensive linemen who are the real reasons. It's not, okay, just Robert Hunt matters more to the Dolphins than Mike McDaniel. Okay, (laughs) that sounds like a hot take. I can guarantee you, if you ask anyone that's actually on the Dolphins roster, that's like the most obvious thing they've ever heard. But to a football fan they're like that can't be possibly be true. No. You want to know what? Yes. That's that the early second rounder big, you know, thick guard with athleticism, but also when you when you hear the analysis, the nasty factor, right? That's what you want. You want a guy that's big and quick and nasty and that's a guy that can unlock the running game. That one guy can absolutely unlock the running game. That's the name that you need to know. When that draft pick came in, and I heard that, and they want these guys that just, they want it, they eat dirt. The most famous guy like this that I remember John Madden adored, his name was Larry Allen. He was a road grading guard for the Cowboys, and and. John Madden would always make a note that whenever there would be a big run or a touchdown run by Emmitt Smith, that he would call out Larry Allen, right? And don't forget, Larry Allen's the real reason why this is going on, right? So that and, and what did Larry Allen have? What, 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 the nasty factor, right? That's the thing. With these guys, they just want to get in. They want to get dirty. They don't want to wear deodorant, right? They don't want to shower, they they just want to be the slimiest scummiest motherfucker, right? That's what that's what they celebrate. I've, I've been around these offensive linemen, man. When they get together as a unit, right? They they fucking celebrate getting dirty, getting nasty, and when they come together as a and all five of them have that mentality, look out. Look out when they coalesce and they don't give a fuck and they will spit in your face. That is, that is the ultimate nightmare for a defense. And that, that's the type of, of offensive line you want to run behind if you're a running back. And the, the, I guess the best example of that, when you just look at a total unit, would be the Denver Broncos in the 90s. Terrell Davis was not a high draft pick, Terrell Davis wasn't particularly explosive. Right, and then if Terrell Davis goes down, then it's Orlandis Gary. Then Orlandis Gary goes down, it's Mike Anderson, and it doesn't matter. You're talking about 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns for that running back every time. Why? Because those offensive linemen didn't shower, and they will spit in your face, and that's what you love, and that's what's happening, man. And Robert Hunt is part of that culture, bringing him into Miami, and that's what that's you know that's that's what's happening. There are three that you know kind of come to mind from that also
1: and ties into this season easily. Um, one of them is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. When he, when he came to Kansas city, that was another changed one changed immediately, changed immediately, changed immediately. Everything changed with Creed Humphrey. The, the bears look better recently
0: on offense. They got a guy named Kevin Jenkins back. He's pretty important. This is another player that Dan Fornick talked about. He said, this could be the most improved offensive line. We're talking about, Potentially most improved offensive lines. We threw out the Giants and the Bears as potential options. Giants didn't fire. Bears are firing. Tevin Jenkins is a big part of that. Tevin Jenkins is a motherfucker. The other part of this, as a Rams fan, Steve Avila out of
1: TCU. Kyron Williams looks like Kyron Williams because they fixed the offensive line, not because Kyron Williams is unbelievable. <laughs>
0: like, like, they had so few picks. We talked about this in Kansas City at the draft. They have so few picks. And if you're gonna have so few picks, what's the one place you 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 cannot make a mistake, right? If you're gonna have just a couple picks in the first, you know, the top one hundred. If you just have a couple picks in the top one hundred <laughs> over a five-year span, what 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 must you do with that pick, the uh, fifth pick in the second round, right, the thirty-seventh overall pick? You go three hundred and thirty-pound guard from TCU right or a tackle whatever he can play any position they projected him as a guard in the league but I think that he could play tackle if he needed him to yeah he's played guard so far this is exactly what you want his class rank he was number 50 out of 320 athletes just looking at athleticism because we size adjust you're like oh he runs a five to one. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's a 72nd percentile speed score for a guard, right? If you're 330 pounds and you run a 5-2-1, you're moving. That's how you get a top 50 athleticism score as a guard. And then what, what are the people that were scouting the position? What are they telling you? Steve Avila, nasty. Steve Avila doesn't care, right? He doesn't care. This is not a person like I would want to be married to, right? You don't want to be married to these people. The hygiene. None of that matters. They want to break their own nose and spit blood in your face. That's what you want. And that was such a great pick because they could have taken chances, right? You could take more of a developmental edge rusher there. We talked about this in Kansas City, but the reason why the Avila pick was so smart is that's that's the, the one you're locking in. And that that might be the exact same draft spot as Robert Hunt. When I When we were in Kansas City i was having the uh
1: post bourbon discussion with alex dunlap that we have the round table every year after round one where we sit down and kind of look at who's available and the rams had that pick and what we were discussing at the time is will levis wasn't off the board yet so alex and i were having the discussion what do the Rams do? Because we know Stafford is kind of in his last couple of years. There's there's not really a backup plan yet. There was Sets and Bennett hadn't been drafted. You know, nothing had been done yet. So Alex was basically asking me if you have this pick, who would you take? And I, you know, I was like, dude, it's your guy. It's he's from te- from TCU. I would take Steve Avila. We were talking about this, you know, the night before round two and three, and the fact that they did it kind of honestly surprised
0: me a little bit. Just, and I was honestly surprised that he was there. No, you know, that's the thing though. They just, they did, they did the thing. They didn't go with the flashy. Oh, we're going to fix the franchise overnight pick. They did this guy's great value. And we have so few picks. We can't make a mistake here. We have to have the highest floor pick. He was the highest floor pick on the board. Oh, for sure. And and I think they, they knocked that one out of the park
1: and it's, you know, it, you're watching it pay dividends now. and, you know, everybody's enamored with Puka Nakua in, in the start that he's had, which justified. He's been awesome. Cooper Cups coming back. The offense looks really good. But so much of that is the fact that Matthew Stafford has time because he's a completely different quarterback. You know, and I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. I know that, you know, if you look at the raw numbers, it doesn't quite show just how impressive he's been. But, you know, a lot of this goes back to if you don't trust your offensive line as a quarterback, you're remarkably limited in what you can get done. We saw it happen to Pat in the Super Bowl when they played Tampa Bay when he was down offensive lineman. And, you know, it can happen to even the best of the best of them. So, as we've advocated for years, the best thing you can do if you don't know what to do with an early day two draft pick is draft the nastiest interior offensive or defensive lineman you can find. Yeah. I
0: mean, this is this is such a fun victory lap for us in that – in the offseason, I always feel like we're being repetitive and we're like, hey, we're so predictable, right? We're like, well, actually right there, you probably just want to take the nastiest motherfucker at guard. That is that is the chalk move and what should be viewed as a chalk move, but so many teams will overthink it. So we, we we talked about that and to see this and to see Steve guys like Steve Avila and players like Robert Hunt being the reason, the unlock, and yet like we know it, and there's no articles being written about them. You go the whole broadcast, and they sometimes they don't get they they barely get mentioned. And it's like, yeah, but um, so we're seeing a different game here, everybody. <laughs> like, and we're we're playing a different thing. It's like it, you know, all the all the the post draft analysis or or leading into day two, like who's on the board. Right, we're sitting there going, "Well, yeah, but Steve Avila, like, where this is—that's what we get excited about." Uh Whereas others are like, "Well, what about Hendon Hooker? You know, what about Will Levis?" It's like, "Oh, come on, man, get out of here!" You know, like to, to me, it was like Anthony Richardson's off the board, C.J. Stroud's off the board. Don't care, right? I'm on to no, I'm on to I'm on to the positions that'll actually help you win, right? And and that, I think I think I think that that guard position. Especially to a team that doesn't have strong interior uh, linemen, if you don't have a guard that is above average, getting one needs to be a top priority for a front office, right? You think about think about the Raiders, right? Think about the Raiders. They they could have had Avila, right? He went a pick later. They they instead they went tight end. Tight end is just not as valuable of a position. It was a very deep position. They could have had a tight end in a, a round later. There's plenty available. Right in that draft, a lot of size, speed specimens at tight end. You didn't need to reach for Michael Mayer there when you had you had the, the draft was giving you building block assets that are going to make the difference in wins and losses. And Michael Mayer is not making a, a damn bit of difference. So, but when we're looking at the AFC, I don't think the Bengals really have a chance. I think that even the Dolphins, I think it's it's they're a long shot because. You have teams that are putting up historic seasons. When you look at historic DVOA, aren't the Bills one of the best we've seen? And yeah, you could argue this is they're so far having just as good a season as they did last year. Where at this point last year, it was it was a it was assumed the Bills were going to roll into the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, the the Niners and the Bills so far have two of the top 20 DVOA seasons through six games or through five games ever, ever, ever. Oh oh yeah. So you're not talking about two really hot starts. You're talking about two historic starts. And as we've seen before, you know, sometimes they ride this all the way out. Sometimes injuries catch up to you again. You want to peak at the right time. We've said all these things, but that being said, you're watching two teams in the Niners and the bills firing on all cylinders and it's pretty to watch man they're just they're wrecking people i know the bills have two losses We don't care that eventually that'll even out (laughs) i'm not i'm not remotely i'm not remotely worried about buffalo i know bills fans are like the sky is falling what's going on here how do we lose to jacksonville jacksonville's newsflash everybody
0: jacksonville's actually good well when jacksonville was bad they beat the bills nine to six two years ago (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean the, the
0: Bills were great. Jacksonville was bad. Jacksonville is a bad matchup for the Bills. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Also, Kansas City's five and one, and they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. So those are the two teams, right? I don't think that the Bengals are gonna be able to surpass those two teams. I think that's gonna be the AFC championship. I think it's pretty and, and I and I think that sadly the Dolphins are, are gonna run out of steam uh, by the time it, 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 it we, we get to uh deep into the the playoffs. They're eventually teams that, that make the playoffs for the first time, make a run for the first time. They typically can get close to that conference championship game and miss. And then it's the, really the next year. If you're a dolphins fan, you really should be focused on 2024. That's the year because I don't think you, you can get past both Mahomes and the bills this year. So I, don't, don't worry about it. Like your teams look, looks great, right? You got Robert hunt. You're awesome. Keep just, just focus on how how good things are getting. Don't just don't get too fired over your skis this year with expectations. In the NFC, it seems very clear to me that it, it's going to be Eagles Forty Nine ers. I'm much more certain it's going to be Eagles Forty Nine ers than I am that it's going to be Chiefs Bills. That's what I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Chiefs Bills Eagles Forty Nine ers. Do you think that's true, or do you, do you do you have someone else in mind, either the AFC or the NFC, for the the conference championship games?
1: So I think Bills chiefs is um the grouping that most likely is going to be your afc championship game but you have teams like cincinnati that you know have proven that they can do it you have a team like miami that can score with anybody on any given day so they're obviously threatening but i think two they're being overlooked right now i wouldn't overlook jacksonville because you know the addition of ridley once they really work him in and he's comfortable there and then everybody every year because their health falls apart Everybody forgets about Baltimore. That is a tough fucking out. You do not want to see Baltimore in January. That
0: is a really tough team. I can see it. That's the team I can see. If, if there if there was a team that's going to... I actually think that Baltimore, the way they're constructed and the way playoff football works, they're more likely to spoil that Bills-Chiefs matchup than the Dolphins are.
1: It, the scariest part about Baltimore is Lamar looks like MVP Lamar 2.0 oh, yeah. and if, if he gets even a semblance of help I mean they're just you know you know what you're going to get from them year in year out if they're healthy and even when they're not healthy it took Sam Hubbard creating a miracle for Cincinnati to win a home wild card game against them last year like let's not we don't have to rewrite history to sit here and understand that that's a really 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 good football team in, in Baltimore, I think that's one that I'd look out for. Obviously, the Bengals if they get healthy, and then, you know, the Jags. But if you go to the NFC side, the third best team in the league in DVOA, Matt, you know who it is?
0: Oh, God. Tell me it's the Cowboys.
1: It's the Detroit Lions. Oh, whoa.
0: Yes. Our Lions. The Detroit. Man. <laughs> Just imagine if they hadn't drafted a running back in the first round or a middle linebacker in the first round. A running back they don't use either. You know, yeah, of course. Who doesn't matter if they use him or not? It was a terrible pick, awful pick, a truly atrocious, embarrassing pick. Let's just pull, we'll pull up the draft board, right? We could we could pull up the draft board right away. We we could actually uh, let, let's let's pull this up on PlayerProfiler.com. We'll pull up we'll pull up the draft board quickly here. We love
1: the lines every that that's what it looks like when you have and we talk about all the time people having culture buy-ins that's culture buy-in man they love Dan Campbell
0: I do too so here's the draft from last year okay and uh I know this is not right there's a, we have we've two picks that were flipped Jalen Carter Darnell Wright Darnell Wright by the way playing great right we still need yeah. to fix that we're working on it we're working on it uh, so anyway after that Detroit Through three trades, yeah, this pick is traded three times, four times, finally makes it to, to Detroit, and they go Jameer Gibbs. They could have had another edge rusher next to Aiden Hutchinson. They could have paired Aiden Hutchinson with Lucas Van Ness. They could have bolstered the offensive line with Broderick Jones. That would have probably not helped them this year. He's more of a developmental player. But Will McDonald was there as well, and Christian Gonzalez. So I think that in in hindsight, and just based on the mocks of all these players, the player that was going the highest in the mocks, it was a clear top 10 talent, was Christian Gonzalez. I have no idea how he
1: made it to 17.
0: It doesn't make sense.
1: I, I t- to this day, I don't understand it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. I don't know who was involved in making that happen, Uh, but the you know the, the the most shocking thing when we were in the draft room was washington taking emmanuel forbes before him you drafted the same position just the
0: wrong guy oh no that was that was horrific well the, the washington commanders they're 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 maybe entering a prolonged period of, of quarterback purgatory with sam howell we'll see what happens we'll see what happens with that but so if if detroit at 12 should have gone christian gonzalez 100 percent, and then you know, at, at, at 18, in hindsight, in hindsight, okay, now at the time I would have said Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, but in hindsight, Zay Flowers. Yeah, I mean. Zay Flowers. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just receiver in general. They need another receiver, right? When, when you're posting up Josh Reynolds as your alpha just because you have one, they have one injury, they have one injury, and they knew they had to self scout, and know that Jamison Williams was a bust, so you need to go right back to the position. You should have gone right back to the position, and it, I would have said Jackson Smith and Jigba at the time. Now with hindsight, Zay Flowers, so they could, they could, Anand, they could ha- like they, they could have totally transformed their perimeter playmaking with Christian Gonzalez and Zay Flowers. Imagine that team with those two players. Oh, baby. There's, there's a clear second
1: tier in the NFC in a way that the AFCs is kind of muddy. Um, and it's Detroit, and I think it's Seattle. So I think if if somebody spoils the Eagles-Niners championship game, it's going to be one of those two, or maybe both of those two. But they're playing really well.
0: New Orleans... I have one question to take it home. One question, one final question for you. So... The team you didn't mention, okay, to, to potentially spoil our Eagles 49ers NFC Championship game. For the record, could that team be the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think so. Steve Avila, nasty. Steve Avila doesn't care. Steve Avila, nasty. Right? You don't want to be married to these people. Hygiene, none of that matters. They want to break their own nose and spit blood in your face. Those offensive linemen didn't shower and they will spit in your face.